Science starts with the words, I don't know. When we admit that, we can start to unravel the mysteries of the universe. Are we alone? Will we settle other worlds? How will we survive climate change? What will humanity look like in a thousand years? Join the greatest science minds and me, Dustin Driver, as we go through the unknown. Detroit's hottest DJs, Spectre and Meltdown, live at the Music Institute, Thursday, January 4, 2018. Get your tickets today at Ticketmeister.org. And yes, Spectre and Meltdown are the best dubstep DJ names ever, but unfortunately, they are not dubstep DJs. They are some serious security vulnerabilities that were discovered in every Intel processor made since 1995. So what are Spectre and Meltdown, and does this mean the end of computing? Should we all throw our laptops on the campfire and live amongst nature? I don't know. And that's why I called security expert Wu Chang Fen of Portland State University. We talked about Spectre and Meltdown, what it means for computing in general in the future, and just a little bit about whether or not you should throw your laptop on the campfire. So without further ado, this is what I found out about Spectre and Meltdown. My name is Wu Chang Feng. I'm a professor of computer science at Portland State University. And I work in computer security and computer security education. My particular areas of interest, I do malware analysis and uh, web security. And then I do a lot of outreach to high schools. Uh, we run summer camps for high school students. We do internships for high school students to try and get a larger pipeline of students interested in computer security. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. So can you give me a brief rundown in layman's terms of what uh, Meltdown and Spectre are? We'll start with Meltdown. The thing with high-performance CPUs is that the latency of executing an instruction is quite long. And because of this really long pipeline, what the CPU will do is it'll try and fetch things in a pipeline, and it'll try and fetch as many instructions in advance as it can, and will actually partially execute as many as it can in parallel. And we need this to get performance. It's something that every single processor has to do if they want to be uh, high performing. And as part of this, if you've written a program and you have a condition that you know your program will branch based on one condition or the other, when you're trying to execute ahead of time and you come to one of these things, you basically have to guess. You have to guess which branch might be the one that's actually going to be taken. And so you pick that branch and you fetch all those instructions on that branch ahead of time. And one of the ways that you can guess accurately is uh, there, on all these CPUs, there's this uh, branch prediction table that they use. And as the program executes, this branch prediction table learns which branch is, is typically taken at every point in time, and then it'll use that to guess the execution path of the thing. So for Meltdown, uh, what happens is that when you are speculatively fetching and executing instructions ahead of time, the memory that you are accessing on the speculative branch 
is fetched without paying attention to whether or not you have the privileges to actually access that memory. Now, eventually, when it comes to fully ex executing that instruction, the processor will be like, hey, you actually don't, you're not allowed access to this thing. I'm going to uh, create a fault and deny you access eventually. But the problem is when you are speculatively executing the instruction that causes the fault, you'll execute beyond that and then execute additional instructions that give you a, a way of determining what that speculative, what that uh, fetch actually did. And so if you, if you have a memory access, you can actually infer what that memory was by the side effect of all of the speculative execution. And that's, that's meltdown, uh, effectively. So, so what you have is the processor is making educated guesses as to what's going to happen next in the, in the program that's running. Uh -huh. And it's, it's guessing ahead in order to get a, a sort of a performance advantage. That's pretty yeah. significant. Mm -hmm. and, and when it does this, it's actually using some memory when it's making these guesses. And, and that memory that it's using during the guessing phase isn't protected or isn't, uh, isn't locked down. And so there's an opportunity there for some code to gain access to basically everything um, the, that's within the system. Yeah, within the operating system, if any of the any memory location in the kernel vector is it's similar. But what you're doing is so between processes, the branch prediction table in the CPU doesn't get cleared. And so when you swap from one process to another process or one VM to another VM, uh, that state in that CPU is actually kept that branch prediction table. And so what you can do, an adversary can craft an attack where they sort of load up a, they poison the branch prediction table, and then they, they force a swap into the, the victim process. And the victim process, based on the values that the adversary has put in the branch prediction table, will do certain things that can be measured by the adversary. And then you can get you know, so again, it'll be similar to the meltdown attack where you can trick the uh, victim process into speculatively executing a crazy branch, a branch that, that you uh, sort of injected into the branch prediction table. Mm. And then that's the, the, the side effect that allows you to figure out the memory, uh, a memory location on either a different process or a different virtual machine and or, or, or any other sort of protection boundary. And that's definitely a hardware problem, and that's that's pretty much in every CPU that does branch prediction mm -hmm. and uh, speculative execution. Yeah, so that's that's the one that's that's general. The one that meltdown apparently is mostly Intel, just because of the way it it checks the access. Apparently, mm -hmm. AMD is is less uh, susceptible to this. Lower performing CPUs are less susceptible, also, because I think when um, when Intel went to the, I don't know if you remember the Atom processor, the stripped down 386 processor that they put in these netbooks, they ripped out a bunch of this stuff. A lot of the speculative execution got ripped out, the branch prediction stuff got ripped out. And so for the low end stuff, I, I think like the Atom processor is like, you know, immune to both of these things because it's not doing this kind of stuff. Mm. But definitely on the higher end, where performance really matters, where you're doing all sorts of crazy out of order execution, speculative execution, branch prediction, it's definitely in in that end, yeah. Okay, 
So is this is this sort of execution taking place when people are using day-to-day -day programs or is this something like say when you're doing something really intensive like video editing or playing a game or anything like that or, or when is this taking place most often? All the time. Okay. <laughs> it's happening all the time, yep. Yep, it's baked into the hardware and it's how we get the performance we do out of our systems. Even web browsing, even your email client will be doing this. Every everything will be doing this, yeah. Okay, but but there has been a patch released, right? I I know that Apple did release a patch to the kernel that went out, um, and I know um, Microsoft did as well with Windows. So at least one of these, and I and I believe it was um, Meltdown. There's there's a patch in order to safeguard against these kinds of attacks. So the way operating systems and programs run is that when you have a program like a web browser running on a system, at least on Linux. Uh, what happens is that the kernel memory is mapped into your memory space for every single process that's running. And they share the same memory space so that when you are fetching in the same address space, uh, even though it's privileged, it's still in your memory space. But, you know, hopefully the operating system is going to shut down the, act, you know, unauthorized access to its own sort of memory. Mm -hmm. So the fix, and the fix that they pushed out is to, uh, the one of the fixes that I've seen is that when you go from the kernel memory, like if, if you're executing a system call in the kernel address space, when you go back from the system call to the best of the user, the fix is to unmap all of the kernel memory out of the address space. So that when a user program tries to run Meltdown, that memory is completely unavailable to the user program. But this takes a, this gives you a performance penalty, like five to 15%, at least for the Intel processors, they're taking a five to 15% performance penalty uh, in order for, I, I believe for this particular fix to, hmm. um, to be deployed. The threat level on both of these is quite low right now. Because you have, uh, right now, I don't think anything has been weaponized. At least I haven't heard of anything being weaponized. And these are really difficult attacks to pull off. And it's so from what I understand, it, it, it's not that anyone has been able to take advantage of these. It's just that they were, they were identified. And so this is sort of a, the patch that was released is, is preemptive and sort of it's proactive and it's going to uh, protect against any possible anything like that. Yeah, and I think it got a lot of notoriety because these are one-of-a-kind sort of bug classes. Like, nobody's seen this kind of uh, hardware bug causing a bunch of security problems. That's really, uh, that's sort of rare. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think Intel, Intel actually is going to build in a hardware fix. Like, what I mentioned earlier was a software fix, which is what most people are deploying for Meltdown. Uh, I believe, um, from what I've heard, Intel is going to apply a fix that will uh, clear out so when, when you speculatively fetch a memory location and then all of a sudden you realize you generate a, uh, a fault, a protection fault, uh, Intel is going to now clear out that uh, register rather than allow that register up into the CPU, which is, I think, the bug. Like, because uh, mm -hmm. once you know that there's a memory fault, you should clear out all the states to that memory fault, but they hadn't. So okay. I think uh, to the next generation of, they'll put that in there and then they can undo the software fix that's causing the 5 to 15% mm. performance penalty. Okay. And um, so right now, there there's a patch for, for Meltdown, and, and you said that, you know, they're working on a hardware fix for that for the next generation of, of CPUs that come out. But Spectre, there, there, is no, there is no software patch. 
So uh, again, is that something that, that uh, is going to be fixed with the next generation of CPUs? So Microsoft has a mitigation. So there are, I think there are a couple mitigations to Spectre. The, the, the mitigation I've heard is so on Windows, you have these notions of security groups where processes belong in certain uh, security groups based on the level of access they need. And so high security sort of uh, processes are all grouped together and then user processes are grouped together. And the idea that, um, uh, and I think this is something that they're trying to push out, is when you go from one uh, a process in one security group to a process in another security group, what you'll do is the operating system will poison uh, the branch prediction table before passing over to uh, the next process. And I think this will also be a performance penalty till the hardware itself clears the branch prediction table, which probably will be again in the next generation, I hope in the next generation of CPUs. That is a software sort of mitigation, which I think, I mean, I don't know what's involved to reset the branch prediction table in software. It's a lot of state that has to get cleared out. So you'd have to do a lot of poisoning uh, of that table, but uh, that's their idea. Okay, so, and for now, I mean, again, we don't want to, we don't want to frighten anybody. That these are vulnerabilities that have been identified. There, ha there haven't been any attacks, or even any uh, anything engineered, any attacks um, that have been released. So uh, the bottom line is that that people's uh, machines right now currently are 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 safe with the new with the new patches that have been pushed out. Although you're saying that there could be a, a performance penalty associated with the patches. So that, yeah, that's a big deal. So, yeah. yeah, and especially if you're in the cloud and you, you are paying lots of money for CPUs, you're potentially going to be paying 5 to 15% more that's going to happen. And I think all the cloud providers are going to try and deploy these fixes on all their VM images. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, this is going to have a performance hit. And if you've, mm -hmm. yeah, you have to budget that budget that out if you're if you're heavy into the cloud which is one of the things that they're uh they're talking about mm, right so and that's that's the main uh that's the main risk is in a cloud computing situation where you have multiple multiple machines basically virtual computers sharing um a single processor or a, a single hard drive there's an opportunity there for for one virtual machine to sort of um to, to break into another one. Um, and so that's the biggest vulnerability right there. Yeah, and I think yeah. the Spectre one would be the one that that would, that would mm -hmm. be involved with. Uh, the Meltdown, as far as I can tell, unless it depends on the type of hypervisor you're using, uh, but for most of the cloud hypervisors, I'm under the impression that Meltdown won't allow a VM escape, uh, but that mm -hmm. the actual VM itself, if an adversary is on that VM, they can get basically root hmm. uh, access on that VM. Um, but I think Spectre, the speculation is that they can do a VM escape and go uh, between VMs, and that would be pretty devastating in the cloud. Right. Because um, the point, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the whole point of the cloud is to be co-resident while still maintaining some form of security. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they can't guarantee that, that's their almost their entire business model, like their their value proposition is going to be uh gone right and, and you're saying so so now i mean there's a there's a penalty for this for one of the patches that will will create a, basically an increase in pricing because you're going to have to pay more to get the same performance that you did before out of your your cloud computing service 
but for for Spectre, there may not be there may not be a patch right now, so um, that could undermine cloud computing in general. Or is this or is there a way to prevent that? Um, in the short term, I think cloud computing does take a little bit of a hit. I would imagine by deploying this patch, uh, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google are going out and buying a whole bunch more capacity. Uh, just because uh, all the people who need compute will need a little bit more because of the slowdown of the virtual machines and the containers that they're running. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's mandatory because it's much worse to have a marketing problem where, you know, they can't trust you anymore. I guarantee that they're buying 15% more capacity right about now and and looking to install that capacity as soon as possible because uh, they almost immediately had to have taken the, the performance hit on all of this stuff. You know what? What's what does this mean for the speed of processors moving forward? If you know they're going to have to be re-engineered, but is, is this a major setback in sort of in Moore's law? I mean, is this, this significantly significantly going to slow down progress of of making faster processors? Um, no, this is actually not going to impact. I mean, we will always be speculatively executing and doing branch prediction. Uh, for me, I think it is a little bit of a bug fix where uh, I believe uh, you can microarchitecturally you can easily clear the branch prediction table, like the state in the branch prediction table. Like if they fixing the hardware so that it clears out registers uh, that have been loaded up due to a memory fault. Uh, I think that one is probably a low overhead thing. So I think the actual technique that it won't. It won't be the end of speculative execution and branch prediction. It's just that uh, it's forced the CPU vendors to take a second look at it. And, I, you know, rumors of this kind of stuff have been around since 2010, but this is the first time it's actually been shown, like it's been uh, exploited. Now that it's on the radar <laughs> of both Intel and AMD and, and the ARM folks, I think uh, I think it'll eventually go away. Hmm. Uh, that's my, my contention. Uh, but right. yeah, if it opens up a whole new core-based security attack, I'd I'd be wrong then. <laughs> right, right. So you're saying that they've known this theoretically that, that that this could happen since 2010, but it wasn't proven until until very recently. Yeah. So I think um, so Joanna Rakowska mentioned it, uh, and she tried to get stuff to work and uh, wasn't able to get a proof of vulnerability. And then in, I think in 2015, uh, it came out again. Uh, and then it wasn't until uh, last year that actually um, uh, someone was able to pull off uh, uh, these attacks and actually have a proof of proof of concept vulnerability. And so, and so, just to be clear, though, that this exploit was done in a lab by by a computer scientist who was intentionally trying to work around this vulnerability. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't a rogue hacker in his in his uh, mom's basement who figured this out. This was actually it took years of of, uh, of dedicated research in order to figure out to a way in, so to speak. Yeah, and it yeah. took it took a really deep knowledge of the underlying processor architecture. Now that it's out, I would expect people are going to try and weaponize it. So so now that the technique is out there. Um, yeah, it, it, it's probably the, the case that it, and someone in a basement is going to sure. try and weaponize it. Yeah. Stick it in JavaScript and then deliver it to your browser to see if it works. Mm. Uh, and that, that's the fear. That's why they, you know, even, uh, when I mentioned, uh, yeah, you do need to pa- patch your personal devices. 
because you're executing JavaScript from any just about everywhere, uh, if they can deliver you JavaScript that does this attack, they can pull stuff out of your, for example, password manager or kernel memory or these sorts of things. And so, uh, yeah, you do want to, uh, when the update comes, I think it already has been delivered on most Microsoft, well, some of them, they have to actually withdraw it because uh, there were some bugs in the patches. But eventually you would want to apply these patches on your own personal computers. Right, uh, right. Just mm -hmm. And and does this mean, you know, um, that we should all be waiting eagerly for the next release of the of the Intel or AMD processors and, and have our checkbooks ready to, to buy a new machine? <laughs> you know, or, you know, does this render all of the, the existing hardware useless? Or is it just you? No, using, using yeah, I wouldn't risk? do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not confident that this to buy a new CPU, but I, yeah. I will pay attention when when it's weaponized. Yeah. If it's been weaponized, and then I uh, I will be installing the the updates because sure. there are software mm -hmm. mitigations that will make this much harder to pull off. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I would I would pay attention to that. I think right now, uh, both if if the Microsoft fix and the uh, I guess the Linux fixes have been pushed out for both both of these vulnerabilities. I would expect. I mean, I I feel confident in in keeping uh, with that. I mean, as a habit, people should just be updating all the time. And I don't I don't I think we're ahead of the ahead of the curve in terms of both of these vulnerabilities in terms of the exploits versus the um, the you know the the patch level. Right. So I think, as far as I can tell, I think we're okay right now. Right. Um, yeah, so there's no there's no need to sound a bunch of alarm bells. Sure. Uh, the cloud providers are doing what they need to do. It's going to cost them money. As long as we patch these things, definitely for the meltdown one, the meltdown one's uh, a mandatory patch that everyone should do, mm -hmm. and that'll fix that issue. Uh, the Spectre one, I think they're they're still working on some mitigations, but they have some initial ones. I would I would do those, and I wouldn't be, it wouldn't it wouldn't be urgent just because that one seems much harder to do. Uh, and in fact, it took the Project Zero. I mean, it, the Project Zero folks released one of their exploits, and it took them a long time to engineer that exploit. So, with that level of effort, yeah, it, it, right. it, it, I feel a little bit more confident that this is not just something some person in the basement can That's sort true. of exploit. Uh, and, and Project Zero, they are they're security experts. They're computer scientists. They've been working on this for years. And, and their their goal is to make computers safer. Essentially, yeah. so they're trying to break uh, break machines, break software in order to engineer ways to make them safer. So that's yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And they are the elite. I yeah. consider them to be the elite. I, I would say that they're the top of the hacking food chain right now. Uh, right. But you never know. You know, some of these governments probably have a bunch of talent in there trying to break things. Maybe nation states. Mm. have the capacity to develop and weaponize these things quickly but it seems like it, it's going to take it takes a lot of engineering effort to, and time and engineering effort to actually pull this thing off yeah yeah <laughs> scary stuff although this is um this is just one in a long line of of vulnerabilities that um you know i mean the question is what what makes this different i mean there there have been multiple software vulnerabilities and and systems are hackable people are actually hackable i think that you know in popular culture we've all learned how easy it can be to hack someone just from shows like mr robot um mm -hmm. 
but you know what what makes this so different and why has it captured so much attention um just because it targets a mechanism that nobody has targeted before um, but it's a hard exploit it's a hard thing to target and it's super super involved so if you most hackers probably wouldn't even go through the trouble of doing this because it's like well it's much easier and, and much cheaper to hack the person just fish the person get their password and then you get everything that you need to out of them lower hanging fruit to uh, get access right uh, that's why you know I'm, I'm i'm not too concerned in terms of this thing taking off and being the you know, you know compromising this that or the other i think you're right we have much more important, like much more serious vulnerabilities that uh, we need to take care of, like default usernames and passwords. Right. Uh, right. Reusing password, people clicking, like falling for the phishing attack. These are sorts of things that uh, are happening all the time, everywhere, and we can do. Mu it's much more beneficial for us to spend our time working on mitigating those right now mm -hmm. than to be worrying about Spectre and uh, and meltdown, which I think might might affect a tiny, tiny percent of people. I mean, it's, it's basically zero percent right now because I don't think anyone has actually done a exploit, but yeah. Right. I right. agree with your... <laughs> yeah, yeah, use use a strong password. I think that's the... <laughs> That's that's a, a better way to stay safe, right? You don't don't buy a new computer. Just use a strong alphanumeric password. You know, throw. And actually, what we do is we teach our students. Uh, like, so we run high school summer camps, and the things that we talk about are, you know, continually updating your software. We we teach them how to use the password manager mm -hmm. and get unique, strong passwords on everything that they have. And we talk about, uh, you know, phishing attacks and train them into identifying phishing. These are things that I think are going to be uh, much more effective than having them focus on the vulnerability of the day, which they, you know, I mean, it, it, it makes for good news articles. But, you know, it's in terms of shifting the bits in, in security, uh, I don't think it does as much as actually training people uh, on these other uh, vectors that people are continually getting uh, compromised with. Right, uh, yeah. right. You know, I I think another reason this has been such a surprise is that it, it does require chip level re-engineering, and and that's a, that could be a first. I don't remember that ever being the case before in any any security flaws. Yeah, I yeah. can't uh, I can't think of uh, time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's. That's what makes oh, it. Oh, I think so. The uh, the other chip bug that's out there is the Intel AMT chip bug, which is was really serious. They did things like uh, if you hit username and a null password, it would let you in. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there are some crazy things that got baked into hardware, but that's not actually the ex that's not the core CPU. This is sort of like a, a different management engine on the CPU. Right. Um, but yeah, these things are really rare, and it's really rare because it affects every single CPU. Mm -hmm. I guess that might be why it's taking off. Yeah. Uh, well, the other thing, the New York Times uh, really um, sensationalized it, mm -hmm. so that's probably that probably wasn't helpful either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because because the impact of this thing, I mean, yeah, it's had uh, five to fifteen percent of extra capacity. That's quite an impact. But like uh, the scaremongering, I think was a little bit um, unnecessary. But yeah, you know, so it's more of a more of an economic impact than it is a security impact right now. Um, actually, yeah. it's all all economic impact. You said that ten to fifteen percent extra capacity. 
which is a big deal when you're running um, a lot of of you know computing power. That's 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 a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, well, that's that's really great. So Spectre and Meltdown actually turns out that we won't need to put our laptops in the trash compactor. Well, maybe I will. It's been acting up lately. But anyway, for now, it seems that we're safe. There are software patches, there are mitigations, and there's a whole new generation of chips coming out that are going to be engineered to get around the Spectre and Meltdown attacks. So that's good news. Of course, that doesn't guard against any other type of attack. So remember, stay safe, use a password manager, use very long, very complicated, very nonsensical, and almost completely impossible to remember passwords. And whatever you do, do not trust a Nigerian prince. Oh, well, maybe if you meet him in person, but that, that, that's different. All right, that's it. So thanks a lot. You can find out more about me at DustinDriver.com. You can learn more about Spectre and Meltdown at the awesome site meltdownattack.com by Graz University of Technology in Austria. The site has a very simple breakdown of both exploits and also some technical white papers if you are so inclined. Music is from epidemicsound.com. Go check them out. They have a huge variety of really excellent royalty-free music. Thanks again and tune in next time.